0: It was like a 1.2 million dollar mistake. Oof! Wow. And so he approaches her, and like you know, she's just feels horrible, and she's like, Oh my gosh, right. I'm going to get fired for sure. <laughs> and so he approaches her, and he's like, What do you think I should do? And she's like, I think she's like, I, I guess you should fire me. And he's like, Why would I fire you? <laughs> he's like, You just got a 1.2 million dollar training lesson. Wow. You have to recognize that mistakes need to be made. Mm-hmm. Not that not that mistakes might be made, but that mistakes need to be made. Mm. And those There's mistakes are part of the process. Yeah. yeah.
1: You're listening to a real human being, a podcast about conversation and connection and being human. My name is Josh Putnam, and I believe that everybody is worth listening to. That connection is powerful and healing, and that we need each other. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the show today. I uh, have a great guest for you today. Uh, for me, I'm excited to talk to to this this wonderful young lad. That was a strange <laughs> way to start. <laughs> but, uh, this is uh, this is Weston uh, from he's uh, the CEO of of Calm V Productions, and, and Weston and I know each other fairly well. We've worked together for some time now, and um, not in the but but uh we we have uh, i suppose a mutual client i guess is what we'd say now
0: yeah yeah
1: um and so we we worked closely together and it's been a, a blast for me and uh i've learned a ton from him and so i'm excited to to have him on today and talk about just stuff about what he does and and his journey and and you know kind of what what brought him here so weston welcome yeah, I'm
0: excited to be here hey thanks man
1: yeah it's my pleasure so um Let's maybe start with, um, well, we can talk about a, a little bit about Comv, like what, what you do okay. now. Um, yeah. So why don't you kind of just introduce you know, Comv and, 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 your, and, your, and yeah. your whole thing?
0: Yeah, so Comv Productions, the company that I own is a film production company. Um, we specialize in kind of two different elements. One element are um, commercials and the other element is feature films. But in the end, the goal behind all of it is to inspire action. So we mm. per, we help clients bring to life, oftentimes, like very difficult to explain subjects in a way that is simplified and inspires their audience to action. And then mm. on the film side, it's we tell stories that we hope inspire people to positive actions um, to be right. able to, you know, learn something about life through the, the both good and bad you know, portrayals of people's stories.
1: Yeah. The stories. Yeah. I mean, mm. we're, we're, we're storytellers and story. Yeah. Hearers, I guess we love a story. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so how long have you guys been around? What do you, or how long have you been doing this? I guess.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, for myself, so I created Comvi when I was 12, but just kind of like, as okay. a, like a kid, you know, coming up with names and stuff and it originally yeah. stood for computerized vehicles Like, I wanted to make cars, right? Right. That's where Comvy as a name came. And then over the years, got into film production, you know, really heavily when I was in high school, um, just because of some friends that were doing it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, And even before then, I was kind of doing film stuff. So kind of like all my life, I've been doing film related things. Like, I remember, I remember how old I was, but it must have been like seven or eight. But I remember as a kid, I would build like um, cameras out of cardboard, Okay. i have like a shoulder rig camera and I'd go around like <laughs> pretending like I was filming people.
1: That's awesome. Um,
0: and so that was kind of where that passion for filmmaking and telling people stories came from. And then V, you know, came kind of when I was around 12. And then um, it wasn't really until 2011 that V became an official film production company. Okay. Um, and so we've kind of been going strong since 2011.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I was going to, that kind of leads into an, another question I had because I, I was, yeah, um, so uh, I've known you for a number of years now. A number of years, yeah. Yeah, because through, through our mutual friend, uh, mm-hmm. Jason, and and I was always under the impression that you went to school for film. So uh, he told me yeah. barely recently that like that you went to school for business. And, yeah,
0: yeah, so I get asked that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I guess it's kind of the thought of like, oh, if you're really good at something, maybe you went to school for it.
1: Right, um, which is kind of silly, right? <laughs> like why? Why does that? Necess-
0: Maybe
1: you know. Well, I mean, but yeah. I guess it's just a limited kind of perspective. Doesn't, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah.
0: So I went to. I looked into school um, for film and was kind of disappointed by the options that I found. You know, I went to a number of schools, showed them the stuff that I did in high school, and you know, the the program leaders were like, wow, this is amazing. You know, in some cases they're like, wow, this is as good if not better than some of our graduates. Right. And I was like, okay, cool, does that mean I get to get in? And they're like, no, you still have to go through the application process and you still have to go through two years of generals and all this it stuff. Is... And it was like, yeah. what's the point? And so I kind of was discouraged. Mm. Um, and then had seen a movie, uh, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps with Shia LaBeouf. Uh-huh. And um, through that, kind of realized that the business world could eat you alive if you didn't know how to yeah. handle yourself in it and was yeah. like, okay, I understand how to do the show part of show business, but uh-huh. not the business part. And so then I went and studied entrepreneurship.
1: Right. Because And that's obviously served you well as you're now a business owner and have... To handle all kinds of
2: yes
0: yes sir does very well in terms of i think the only reason why we've been able to last 10 years as a company is because of that hmm. um in our time we've known lots of other film production companies who you know in some cases maybe were more talented than us and they sure. you know fell off the face of the earth because they were purely just good at the film production part not at the business part right um and well... Yeah, go
2: ahead. And,
1: and that well, th- that I mean, I'm one of those, right? <laughs> so like, <'cause laughs> I, 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 you know, we've talked about. I, I did a, produced a film of a few years ago. Close. Yeah, to a 10 feature years film ago now. Yeah. yeah, a feature, and and I was uh, realized and and learned through that experience more. Th- the, the biggest lesson I learned was I'm not a businessman,
2: mm-hmm. and I don't.
1: Not that I couldn't perhaps learn it, but I didn't. Yeah know it then and it definitely yeah. ate me alive it ate us alive and and we had a lot of major issues because of that side of it where it was like mm-hmm. we just didn't know how to um handle business related things or organizational or organization related yeah. things
0: it was and, a, i mean it's, hard. it's just so many things that I, I know for myself even you know first getting into just things that i overlook and in partly to degree i kind of loathed like i didn't Mm -hmm. like it i remember thinking like oh i hate business Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't until like we got a few years into it and we realized how much fun like i mean really in the end it's like when a business is run correctly you'll still always have problems Mm -hmm. but they're much more manageable and less stressful Mm. And so it's like once we got the systems in place and once we, you know, figured out pricing and once we figured out contracts, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, in our first few years we had clients who just straight up stole video content from us. Right. Wow. And, yeah. you know, we have a finished product and we're like, Hey, pay us for it. And they're like, no, we're not going to pay you for it, but we're going to use it. Wow. And it's like that, that, that <laughs> was not fun. Right. It's like right. now that we have systems in place to where, when we finish a project, we've had it where, I mean, just recently because of some of the stuff with COVID, we had a client who couldn't pay the last part of the production cost. Mm. And we have a contract that said, you know, this is what happens if that that can't be completed. Mm-hmm. And it just made the process so simple because it was like, oh, this is how much you owe on it. Oh, sorry. We can't pay that because of COVID and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's like, okay, cool. So this and this, and this is our property now and you know, that's just the rights of it
1: right and so it was, like it was all spelled out already you had a condition yep,
0: all spelled right. out it, it yeah but it wasn't even like nerve-wracking for us because it wasn't right. like oh um yeah it was just like well as per the contract you know right. such and such a, like hey sorry to hear that we understand things are rough right. but as per the contract this is what it what you signed yeah and that was it right yeah
1: makes it a lot simply i think that for us in, in our experience the emotion of <laughs> the environment pricey, and the experience yeah, right mm-hmm. ended up taking on a well t- it took over right it yeah. took over everything and and mm-hmm. and so i think having a plan in place having the contracts laid out and all the agreements signed and you know exactly what's going on and everyone has agreed to it, it you know in, mm-hmm. in writing and and it does definitely make things or would have certainly made things a lot yeah. simpler
0: for us yeah i mean you'd mentioned that um even some of the relationships that you had when you were doing your mm-hmm. feature film now are maybe not necessarily broken but you're not as close strained yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah yeah and that was um I, I had an experience with our um currently our our curriculum director we have a, a a film course segment of our company mm-hmm. and Shane our curriculum director who at the time was our vice president um this was like a few years into the business and I needed some help with rent
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so I'd reach out to him and I said hey you know can I borrow 150 bucks from you just so I can make rent mm-hmm. and he sent me a, he was like yeah I'd love to help and he sent me a contract
2: mm-hmm. I remember
0: at first I was like "It's was like geez like don't you trust me right but then i realized as i you know read through the contract it's like the point of the contract was because he trusted me and also because he valued me as a friend he didn't want mm. money to get in the way of that friendship right and that was the first moment when it was like oh wow like contracts aren't about like um
1: being impersonal it, or...
0: or yeah being impersonal or taking advantage of the other party right um, I mean some contracts probably do but you know that's not their main intent the intent right. is to actually keep those relationships positive by clearly outlining here's what you agreed to yeah. here's kind of the result and then if you don't complete with it here's the consequence right
1: setting an expectation uh, yeah. Jason talks about that a lot in relationship mm-hmm. building you know setting your expectations and then yeah. and then either you know meeting them or, or exceeding them but yeah. you're but you're aware of what the expectation is. So you make the agreement beforehand and 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 promise to. Mm -hmm.
0: to Yeah. And it's like every, every time we ran into an issue with the client, you know, we add a segment to the contract for Mm. the next client and it's like, okay, that was, you know, that was an issue. Mm -hmm. And so now our contracts, um, when someone gets them, it has kind of the vision of like, you know, here's the audience we're marketing to, here's what, you know, we're trying to accomplish with it and all this stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Cause we
0: even have it where clients come back and they're like, Oh, you know, why'd you do this and this and this, you know, we were targeting males and it's like, well, no, you know, as per our, our agreement and what we originally talked about, your audience was females. And so, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like, so it's all outlined. And then we have the inclusions in terms of, you know, how many cameras, are supposed to be on set how many days of shooting how many minutes of editing mm-hmm. what's included music graphics that kind of stuff and we just outline all of it
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then we also started including in our contract the add-ons to where it's like if you want you know an extra script or if you want an extra day of filming this is how much it costs
1: ah okay
0: and it just makes it so easy to when a client comes in and says hey you know love what you guys are doing let's do another day yeah and whereas beforehand it'd be like, uh, yeah, um, that's supposed to cost more money and what it's supposed to cost more money. Right. Now it can be like, Oh, we would love to do that for you. Yeah. Um, as per the agreement, it is so many thousands of dollars extra per day. Right. And then so, uh, like they, they can't argue. Right.
1: Exactly. So it's, it's all, yeah, that's, we definitely needed that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you got, I mean, as it, it sounds like you kind of, I think you probably had a, a, a bit of a, not a head start i mean you you gave yourself that head start but but you you had a bit of an advantage than over over what we did but you've you did it sounds like you did learn a lot by by oh yeah yeah i mean
0: i I think the the advantage that we had was you know going to school which helped a lot yeah um and not not really because of school because of people we met there Um, i was fortunate to go to uh yeah i was fortunate to go to a college that um was a college not a university mm-hmm. and what was cool about this particular college is it was very small and almost all the teachers in my entrepreneurship courses were adjunct so they mm-hmm. only worked part-time okay. and it was awesome because they would come back from you know one of our teachers came back and is like hey i just sold my business for 600 million dollars let's talk about that
2: wow. and it's like
0: oh Okay.
1: So they had so, real world experience. Yeah,
0: real world. I mean, these weren't like professors that had been, you know, teaching business ago. for the past 20 years. And yeah. it's like, they owned a business 30 years ago. And it's like, right. the business environment is so different now. Right. These were guys who just got off from, you know, doing their entrepreneurship stuff. And, you know, we had one sales teacher who was like, okay, guys, I got to do a sales call to, you know, this big corporation. Everybody be quiet and I'll put them on speakerphone. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so he like, you know, runs through the whole thing, He you know, runs into the gatekeeper and builds rapport with the person and then,
2: yeah.
0: you know, goes through and and kind of works his way into talking with the guy who he needs to talk to. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that was some advantage that we had. But honestly, like the, the second part that I don't know if is if it's really an advantage, It's just kind of more of the mindset of we just kept. Know making mistakes, Mm -hmm. and so we just kept running into business and we would do a client, and then you know, they'd find some way to take advantage of us, and it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, we got to put that in the contract. And so it's like, we just kept going through. I mean, now, I mean, Comvy's done thousands of videos, and we've worked with um, it's like 150 plus clients right now, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's like um a percentage of those clients were clients that we'll probably never work with again Mm -hmm. but we learned through all those experiences how to basically every time a mistake happened instead of being like oh man like what's wrong with everybody we would internalize and be like oh cool what could we do next to prevent that and then you know we just kept developing this really Succinct agreement that now protects us. And it's yeah. like, you know, the, over the past four years when problems have come up, our contract has been there to back us up. Um, and it's just made things super simple and yeah. has really taken the emotion out of stuff. Right. And in some cases, it saved the client, you know, client relationship. In some cases, the client probably wasn't going to do a video with us as, again, anyways. Uh-huh. but they they don't feel like they were taken advantage of they right. just were like oh I wasn't I didn't know, realize I I should have yeah I guess I should have read it <laughs> right right <laughs> Before well, I and, signed that's,
1: it. and that's kind of uh, an uh, like a an element of our sort of world condition now where there's so mm-hmm. many contracts and so many things yeah. that you you just you, we don't always plus like contract language is often
0: yeah uh, it, and, and for us, we, we try to make it like our contract is three pages mm. and, you know, we spend a lot of time designing it graphically so it mm-hmm. it is appealing and it is well organized.
1: That's good. So yeah. it's like
0: we, we don't want to hide anything from you because that creates right. more issues. We want right. and, you know, we when we do the email, when we send over the contract, it's like, hey, make sure you check out section such and such. That includes yeah. what is being paid for in section such, such and such. You can see how much additional stuff costs if you, you know, add on to it. And so it's like, we try to draw their attention to it. Um, so we avoid those issues of people right. feeling like, Oh, I guess I should have read it. But even still then people just don't read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It's true. But, Oh, I mean, that's something that you, I think that you kind of have pulled from your creative side and, and your, your sort of analytical side where you, mm-hmm. you, you do, That's always impressed me about you is that you have great organizational skills, but Mm. you do have an eye for kind of the uh I don't know, the beauty of like artistry or creativity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely kind of in the middle. Um, so I mean I'm I'm a director. mm -hmm. And the thing that I always tell to people who want to be directors is like I believe a director is kind of good at a lot of things, but Mm -hmm. not exceptionally good at anything Uh so I'm just kind of the jack of all trades which helps me guide other people to be you know profound at what they're doing Mm -hmm. Um, and I can hold the vision and kind of put it all together but yeah so with that I kind of have like this two worlds of I'm you know kind of a a leader and a vision person in that regard but I have a enough creativity to where I can make a decision on oh that you know graphic design looks good or bad or you know that lighting looks good or bad yeah. It's like, obviously, a designer will do much better job than me or, you know, the lighting person will do a much better job than me doing it alone. Right. But, yeah, that kind of balance between the, the analytical and the artistic side yeah. gives us some benefit.
1: And and it needs to and, – and I think that that's – it allows you to be able to make connections in ways that maybe mm-hmm. if you did – if you were in focused on one of those aspects, you, you might not mm-hmm. be able to.
0: Yeah, and it gives me understanding, which – can be a benefit or a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's easier to ask someone to do something when I know um, what I'm actually asking. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, when I send someone a website design thing, I'm not just like, hey, do this, and I don't even know, you know, how difficult it is. Possible. I can, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, um, you know, sympathize, sympathize or empathize. I don't remember which one. I is get,
1: which. I get them mixed up a little bit as well. I think, <laughs> Brene Brown describes uh, defines empathy as feeling with somebody.
0: Okay, so so I can empathize is, with them. Yeah, yeah. That you know, hey, I know this is a really difficult task. Um, but I also know that she can do it, right? So it's like yeah. I feel like because most of the people that I work with know that if I didn't ask them to do it, I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it kind of gives them a little bit more, hopefully, encouragement that they're being trusted with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it kind of I can be pretty nitpicky with stuff because right. I can also still do it.
1: So that's just not as well, uh, right? But but that is actually a. a... A challenge that I think something because I'm I'm similar to you in that I I I often think of myself as like man I'm I'm like uh, like a maybe above I wouldn't say I don't know above average yeah like
0: above average but
1: yeah just because the average person doesn't know that much about a lot of things but like above average at a lot of things and really good at nothing yeah yeah like it's like (laughs) I mean I think there there probably are some things but like. But a lot of that has come from like when we did our film, like we didn't have any money. So it was like, Mm -hmm. I had to do stuff.
0: Yeah, but it's also kind of the personality because it's like, you know, you had to do stuff, but also other people had to do stuff, but they didn't, right? Right. So it was like, there's that leadership element. Um, And, you know, that's what makes a great director, uh, Mm -hmm. I believe, to where, um, you know, you have a natural drive for for learning, Mm -hmm. um, which will propel you to learn, a more than normal amount about a lot of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then at the same time, the hardest part, I know for me, delegation was always and still kind of is the hardest thing for mm-hmm. me to deal with. Right. Because if I just grab anybody off the street and hire them to do something, I can still do a better job than them, even if right. that's their specialty. Yeah, But then I have to work with them to where they, they kind of learn the mindset of kind of the way I approach stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they can excel more than me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so give it's them like a
1: framework.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, given that framework and then it's like once you let them go, like they do a great job. I think a great example is, you know, for the people watching um, uh, Josh and I work with a client who does this uh, podcast. And mm-hmm. it's like so our team first did the podcast and then, you know, we brought Josh on to, you know, help edit it and mm-hmm. kind of take over from our editing team. And then you took over the thumbnails and stuff like that. Yeah. And now when I watch the podcast now, since we, our team's completely removed from it, um, there's elements of what we had taught you in that, mm-hmm. but you now have, you know, you have far exceeded what we originally had. Like your thumbnails mm-hmm. look so much better now. Like, you know, the in cards and intro cards, like you've, you've taken your own talent and put it into it and made it something bigger. Well, um, I appreciate I, that.
2: Yeah. Thank
0: you. Yeah, And I, I think that's a, you know, a great example of, you know, it's like you give that, you give that foundation and you give some time. Mm -hmm. And then once you establish that foundation of kind of like the, the minimum expectation of quality, Mm -hmm. um, a talented person given authority will then be like, Oh, cool. If that's the minimum, I I can do a little bit more. And then they do.
1: Right. And it's like, and I think that that, that actually fits very well with what Garrett does. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Garrett being the, the, the guy that, that we that we're editing for. Yeah. yeah. Um, is his, his business kind of philosophy is like, and he's talked about his, his journey that he had to learn this, but it was like, mm-hmm. let people take ownership of, like, in, inspire them and empower them to take ownership of their role rather than, yeah, you know, delegating everything or, tasks, or micromanaging really. everything and 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 yeah. saying, because then now you do run into the possibility of them not growing that role or not taking it um, you know or, or maybe the talent level not being there or the drive not being there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so it maybe it won't improve. but then that's a I guess a different conversation. but, but a lot of the time when people are given the trust and the opportunity and the um the tools and the support and whatever they might need, but the but it's it is that kind of that I think it's the trust, but it's like it just feels inspiring, right? You feel like, well, they think that I'm capable of doing this. I remember, remember when, when I first came in and um and started working and, and you were, were showing me the ropes, my mm-hmm. first day or two I was like can I can I even do this like (laughs) I like you know I mean I had a skill set but it wasn't as advanced as it is now and it wasn't Mm -hmm. um and 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 a lot of that was a lack of my own confidence and stuff like that but I think having you were always willing and 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 gracious or willing to show the, the that um encouragement and Mm -hmm. and there were a couple things that i i needed you know input on or to to make some Mm -hmm. adjustments here and there but for the most and even when you had to do that it was always encouraging and i think that there's Mm -hmm. that's kind of a skill as well to learn how to, to to give correction or improve uh but but to do it in a in a positive
0: or encouraging way. Yeah, and it's like with delegation, like patience. Patience is really important, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I notice a lot of. Like, I've had a few of our employees get hired out for like other people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Hey, do you know any editors? Because like, you know, they 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 can't afford the cost of what our production's currently at. So like, hey, right. you know, I can't afford you guys, but maybe I could use one of your editors. So, like, yeah, sure, dude, you can hire one of our editors on the side. And what I've noticed is most of the time, these are people who like they do everything right. Mm-hmm. and they're just so busy with with the stuff that they do that they're like, oh, I have to get an editor so I can, like, relieve some pressure. Right. So then they reach out, and they're like, hey, like, you know, Comvy you guys have really phenomenal videos. Let me borrow one of your editors. It's like, okay, yeah, you can borrow them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and what I've noticed, usually what happens is they, they give our editor a try, and then, like, the first video is not what they were expecting, and mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, no, 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 I'll just do it myself. <laughs> right. Instead of, and it's like, it's this process. I find that for me, I've always told myself delegation is a process. Mm -hmm. It takes time to be able to establish, you know, what that quality baseline is. Mm -hmm. Every production is different. Every system is going to be different. And it's like, you know, if I'm the authority figure, I, I usually, and this may be wrong, but it's worked for me. I usually do like the first, you know, if if we're getting hired to do a series of videos, I'll do the first one myself so I can get kind of the vision of like what I want it to be and use it yeah. as a template. And then then I teach that to the team and let them replicate it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, depending on what it is, like that's probably for more corporate stuff, for commercial stuff or sorry, for creative stuff where we're like working on a film or something.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't
0: do that because, you know, I want my team to fully take charge of the creativity. Right. Um but, you know, it just kind of depends a bit. But if it's if uh, probably the best way to put it is if you're doing something that has repetitious, um, uh, I don't know, uh, repeatability. If you have mm-hmm. something that's like a project base, it's repeatability. You know, you do a podcast and they're always the same podcast mm-hmm. or you're doing a client video for dentists and it's always, you know, the same kind of story and you're just repeating it. Mm-hmm. That type of delegation takes a template which is kind of your, your standardization of quality. yeah. And then it takes multiple training sessions that you have to recognize that mistakes need to be made. Mm-hmm. Not, that, not that mistakes might be made, but that mistakes need to be made. Mm-hmm. And those There's mistakes are part of the process. Yeah, because yeah. it's like the more that you make a mistake, the less likely you're to do it. One of the mm-hmm. great examples that I heard from one of our entrepreneurship teachers He's talking about early on in his career, um, this – oh, no, actually, it was, it was a client that we had worked for. He was talking about he had this big printing press, and he had hired this woman um, to come help him with the printing press. And she made a mistake that, um, dis- that destroyed one of the rollers on their printer. And backed up their, like, you know, killed a whole bunch of orders and they were backed up for like two or three days. Wow. You know, like, it was like a $1.2 million mistake. Oof. Wow. And so he approaches her and, like, you know, she's just feels horrible and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired for sure. (laughs) And so he approaches her and he's like, what do you think I should do? And she's like, I think, she's like, "I, I guess you should fire me. And he's like, why would I fire you? (laughs) He's like, you just got a $1.2 million training lesson. Wow. He's like, do you think you will ever make the mistake again? (laughs) She was like, no. (laughs) And he's like, good, because I don't think you'll ever make it again. So Mm -hmm. it's like, why would I fire you if you, you know, if I just paid $1.2 million to train you on a really (laughs) important lesson? (laughs) Right. Um, and that I think, you know, was a really big insight for me where it was like, oh yeah, like Mm. mistakes, you know, if you can bring up mistakes and failures, which is part of life in a way that's like, Hey, like, no worries. Let's look at what you did. Let's look at what the result was. And let's look at why that isn't the desirable result. Right. And then most people won't ever make those mistakes again.
1: That's interesting. What a great way to look at it because you're right. Mistakes are inevitable, right? Mm -hmm. And I had never really thought of it and, as... And necessary.
2: That's what uh, I was going to say. say yeah.
1: I, I'd never thought of it that way. As like taking it a step further, you need them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's really like the the point of business, the point of my employees is I find ways for them to make failures early and often
2: mm-hmm. so we
0: can learn from them. And by the time it gets to the point where it matters, we're not making those mistakes. I mean, this mm-hmm. even goes back to the way that we do film production, um we do something that we call live action storyboarding um Mm -hmm. we also call it shot blocking Mm -hmm. where we will either a commercial or a film we'll shoot the whole thing you know just in our backyard yeah and so it's like we've got the shot list we've got people who are standing in for the the actors and we run through every single shot and we edit it together and we see how does it flow how does it work and through that process we make hundreds and hundreds of little failures yeah right it's like oh you know this shot doesn't edit together like we thought it would or oh this scene is just pointless and so you know we take yeah. it out and we get a sense for what worked and what didn't work
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then we edit together and sometimes we do even like a second version of our um live action storyboarding we do a round yeah. two you know we correct those mistakes and see okay does it flow much better Um, sometimes we'll set up the actual equipment we're going to film with. So the team's rehearsed on, okay, how can we set this up quickly? Mm -hmm. Because those mistakes are cheap. You know, we, you know, they're just in our backyard. If we make a massive mistake, if we film the wrong thing, or if the line was said wrong, or they didn't cut together, it's like, you know, okay, what it's a few hundred bucks, maybe a a thousand or so dollars Mm -hmm. versus when we're on set, if those mistakes are made, you know, now we're looking at, you know, five, 10, $20,000 going to waste. Right. Um, with those mistakes.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. So, I mean, I was there for one of your, um, when you, when Jason was doing his short and oh, we, yeah, his short we shot blocked mm-hmm. that one and, um, I had, we didn't shot block anything. Cause we, again, we <laughs> were so new and, and yeah. green at everything. Um, but, but I, I, I hadn't heard it. Kind of the the full, you know, or thought about the the full the full ramifications of doing something like that, where mm-hmm. you're essentially doing a dry run. Yeah, it might it might take a lot of time, and it might take you know you know a lot of energy, and, and it, it
0: costs something, right? right? It, because it takes you're time and money
1: have your employees and your money. Yeah, and your time is being used, but um, how beneficial that would be in the mm-hmm. end to the final product, where you've kind of worked out a lot of your kinks. I'm sure that there are still things that come oh, up. Yeah.
0: On, there's always new, you know, new kinks,
1: but well, one but of they're things-
0: usually, they're not detrimental to the project right. anymore. They're like small ones like, Oh, you know, the the sun's a little different than what we planned right. for, or like, Oh, this light, um, you know, doesn't fit where we thought it would because there's a bookshelf there and mm-hmm. it'd be really impossible to move the bookshelf, you know, but yeah. even, you know, that stuff. When we hit those mistakes on set, we try to think, okay, how could we have planned that even better? Like, yeah. okay, let's make sure we map the sun correctly and stuff. And it's, it's what were you gr- gonna say?
1: It's that growth mindset. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, no, I was just gonna like one of the things you do is that there is like, I mean, you really block it out. So like when we were there, you, we had a big open space, and and mm-hmm. and you, I mean, you used physical objects to to map out the exact, you know, mm-hmm. dimensions of your location and so it wasn't just like a, here's kind of a, a, a general idea of what we might mm-hmm. be. I mean, it was like basically exactly what it was going to, you know, yeah. kind of your, your, your dimensions, your, your clearance, your everything was kind of taken into account. And, and so mm-hmm. you're able to get a pretty darn good, accurate, uh, accurate, uh, idea yeah. of what you're going to be running into.
0: Yeah. And it, again, it's like, it costs some money, but it, the amount of money that we save in terms of getting it right when mm-hmm. when we're paying for actors and makeup and mm-hmm. location and all that stuff, you know, just it's worth the savings basically. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, that's when we, you know, I, we tell a lot of people about live action storyboarding and shot blocking and, you know, most people are like, Oh, that doesn't seem necessary. And I understand like the thought right. process. Cause for us, like it didn't seem necessary when we first started it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we we had had a few productions that kind of fumbled together mm-hmm. and it's like you know we were hours behind and you know just mm-hmm. kind of the typical thing when yeah. when i talk to most film production people they're like oh yeah you know we're only three hours behind we're doing pretty good right <laughs> and it's like after we learned how to do you know shot blocking we've never had a day where we ran behind wow. um because one, when we do the test, we're taking calculations of, okay, this shot took so long, right? Mm-hmm. And so now we have formulas to where we we are breaking down the duration on a per shot basis. Like it's going to take 30 minutes to get shot 3.4. Yeah. and It's going to take 15 minutes to get shot 3.6. And it's wow. like we're breaking down on that per minute basis. And that way, when we are you know renting the location, we know exactly how long we need it. Yeah. Um, and we give ourselves a little buffer mm-hmm. and we always finish on time to the dot or usually you know 30 minutes i mean we had one shoot where we finished like an hour and a half early um and it's like okay cool you know now we have time to shoot a few extra shots that we weren't even planning on just because we still have the location wow um versus the opposite where it's like oh we're we're an hour and a half behind right and now we have to remove two shots that we were planning on getting but maybe they weren't that important
1: right yeah that and I mean, that's like you're the polar opposite of how of what ours was like, you know, where it was mm-hmm. just like we'd, we'd, you know, uh, schedule the location and then we're hour two, three hours <laughs> late and the and they're like expecting us and and part of the crew's there and some of them aren't and then there's traffic mm-hmm. and then there's, you know, whatever. And and so it was like I remember one of the locations like they were not happy, understandably. They were, yeah. we were not happy about how, you know, I mean, we were cutting into their bit, like we, we were using a, a location that was open for business. It wasn't oh, like, yeah. you know, we had rented out the whole, um, thing. So it was like, he, he was like, we're, we've got to just keep going with our day. So like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna work. We're not gonna wait for you. Right. Yeah. So we end up yeah. kind of filming in the middle of there. So we got, so audio was, was bad and, uh, you yeah. know, it just, but it so I could I could definitely see the the um, value of of organizing it that way. And so, do you have yeah, and, somebody and, on? Oh, go ahead on kind of that practice set taking notes of time and everything. How you how you do that? So,
0: so we don't have. So, usually our first assistant camera, first they see, will be taking some notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's not really like one person is taking note. It's kind of everybody in their department is taking notes. Okay. So it's like, you know, our cinematographer, he's taking note of, oh, that lens didn't work. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he's making notes on that. And, you know, the first they see is like, oh, this is what our setup and takedown time is. And as a mm-hmm. director, I'm taking, you know, my own notes of, oh, make sure that, um, you know, if he lifts up his... His, you know, right arm or his left arm. Make sure in the next shot that we have those continuity synced. And so it's mm. like I'm making little notes throughout the whole process, and everybody's making notes. Yeah. Um, and then we, you know, come together with a, what we call a director's meeting, where we have our director, myself, director of photography, our art director, and then you know sometimes like our 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 post supervisor director for editing. Mm. We all come together and we make those notes together um, okay. to make sure that basically all the notes that everybody got from the live action storyboarding come together
1: mm-hmm. that's good
0: yeah that i mean it, that, go ahead oh i was just gonna say kind of going back to what you're talking about with like you know being late and stuff like that it's like you know we've all made those mistakes um, right. you know that's where we learned what it was yeah. and we just started making rules for ourselves where it's like okay if there's more than five people coming to a shoot everybody has to be there um like the the call time is at least or if there's more than five people the call time is an hour away from when we actually have to start rolling prior to uh yeah prior to and then it's like if we have more than 10 people um we give ourselves more time where we'll create kind of like an artificial call time and then it's like we create a 30 minute buffer on top of that to where it's like we're telling you to come at at 9 30, we know that everybody will eventually arrive by 10 o'clock. So the actual call Mm -hmm. time is 10 o'clock, but the communicated call time is 9 30. Okay. And it's like, you know, we just kind of created rules for ourselves um, that help us kind of manage, you know, people and schedules and, you know, um, issues that always arise with traffic or people run out of gas and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, We ran out of gas one time on our our way down to, (laughs) we were shooting down in, mapleton which is oh yeah for those who don't know we're both here in utah so that's it was like a hour and a half away from from Jeez. from where i am you know mm-hmm. and and we ran out of gas on the freeway and we were we were, we were really close to the to the exits so we were able to just pull off Push and, and and get well we just there was there was a, a gas station like within a mile off of the freeway oh, okay. so so we just we just went and and uh, walked to it and bought a gas can and
2: oh and <laughs> <laughs> put enough gas in that we
1: could oh, get it yeah. to the location i mean yeah it was
2: yeah and it's
0: like you know errors happen like that i yeah. mean even even despite all the planning that we have like we still run into some big ones um mm-hmm. on occasion but the idea is that we we go into a project knowing that we have to make failures and so mm-hmm. i just tell people to ask yourself like okay when do you want to make this failure do you mm-hmm. want to make it while the client's on set or before the client's on set
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's like, you're going to have to make the failure anyways. Um, right. so it's like, let's figure it out. Cause I mean, with all failures, you don't know what the failure is going to be.
1: Yeah. And so right. you know, it's sort share. of part of the thing, you mm-hmm. know, that, yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Cause like, I think it kind of speaks to that whole, you've got that, that growth mindset versus fixed mindset, you know, where, mm. where you, and and I've, struggled to kind of break out of that fixed mindset where where it's like this is how it has to be and there's no adjustment then mm, but when yeah. when you can learn how to how to adjust and how to see things as um not just uh, uh not just okay but but even valuable you know mm-hmm. um that i like i think that your s- sort of longevity and success you know has speaks to to um the benefits of that of being able to just say, okay, this is not the end of the world. In fact, it's probably a good thing. And let's <laughs>
0: it's probably the beginning the, of something much better.
1: The value. Yeah. So how how long did it take you to kind of develop that? Or were you have you always kind of been blessed with that ability?
0: Oh, to develop the, the ability? Yeah. Um, hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I, I definitely think like the way in which i was raised and Mm -hmm. you know the people i was around they're just you know in some of my own like strengths inherently Mm -hmm. i tend to lean more towards possibilities Mm -hmm. um and that um i don't know just like failure was never was never a big thing and i think part of that comes from like you know discipline from my parents where it's like i never got punished for making a mistake, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and I think that plays a lot into it, which is hard because it's like, man, mm-hmm. some some people, you know, even in our company, they grew up and every mistake they made, they were punished for, and mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, you you get so fearful of making mistakes, right? And it's really hard to psychologically change that. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I think there's benefit for myself in that of you know, I was raised with parents who, um, they didn't you know punish me for every single mistake,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um. And, you know, there was a lot of like, you know, creativity, more or less. I mean, my my dad built, you know, large portion of the house that we lived in. And it's like, Hmm. you know, I helped him with that. And it's like through that, I realized there was a lot of mistakes, you know, and, and I would say my dad didn't always handle them with like positivity and then embrace them with like, Oh, look, a mistake. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think in my, for myself, I observed that sometimes he would hit a mistake and he would get frustrated with the mistake and that it made it harder to find the solution. And so I think mm. through that observation um, for okay. myself, I learned like, okay, you know, don't let myself get frustrated because it impedes my ability to learn from it. Right. Um, and so I, I had some ability for introspection, which mm-hmm. again, I think introspection was part of my upbringing. Um, but it helped me to be able to observe my surroundings and even, you know, my parents who did a good job of, of teaching me, you know, not punish me for mistakes. I was also mm-hmm. able to learn from some of the negative ways that they would react to failures. Mm-hmm. And I learned for myself to react kind of more positively to failures and try to embrace it. Um, And then just kind of through trial and error, I realized that, you know, here was a moment in my life when something bad happened and I dreaded it. And it's like that bad thing seemed to last so long Yeah. versus another time in my life, a bad thing happened. And I just said, okay, why is this happening? What do I need to learn from it? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, it's gone. Interesting. Right, like it. It just wasn't drug out for you know months and months and months or whatever it was. It it just was like I learned what I need to learn. It was like oh that's what I could learn, and yeah. then it's like move on.
1: That's interesting
0: because
1: um, I think that I think one of our I think that the thing that 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 makes it difficult for people to do that mm-hmm. is a, a difficulty with processing the emotion of the experience.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, it's like, I'm I'm not allowed to do that. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I'm not a very emotional person. And Mm. so, I mean, I think some people would compare me to Spock when it comes to (laughs) like my emotions. Uh And and so that's where I would say probably I have a little more ease at that because Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm very, I'm for whatever reason, I don't quite know why I'm able to disconnect myself from, Mm. you know, the emotion of stuff. If Mm -hmm. like, if someone says, hey, you know, Weston, you are a horrible person because of this <laughs> and this and this. Um, I mean, it still hurts because we're human beings, but it's like mm-hmm. I can disconnect myself and try to kind of focus on, like, oh, why are they, you know, saying this? Is it yeah. valid? And it's like I start asking myself, like, okay, I kind of like put it into a bucket and it's like, okay, this could be a valid critique of myself. Uh-huh. And then I go ask like three or four other people and I've realized that you know, if one person alone says something that's wrong with you, then it could actually be something wrong with the person. Right.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: If two people say the same thing wrong with you, then it probably has more validity. Mm -hmm. If three people say the same thing is wrong with you, then it's like, yeah, you're you're the one that's wrong and you got (laughs) to correct it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And, And so it's like so I'm able to compartmentalize it and put it in a bucket and say, cool, let me get more evidence. Yeah, to back up this thought process. And then, you know, I go ask people that I know are trusted. I try to ask people that I know would be on opposite spectrums. So I'm not getting bias. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, once I gather enough data, I can make a conclusion about, you know, whether or not the feedback was correct. And now I need to find a way to address it or, you know, it was erroneous. And now I need to kind of figure out what in that person's life had them perceive the way I was doing something negatively.
1: Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that that's a a very, well, a very uh, helpful or positive way to look at it, because Mm -hmm. we all run into those experiences with somebody, right, where where they they we are all criticized or we're all
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: somebody I don't think there's anyone that's ever gone through life without being Beat
2: being criticized <laughs> right criticized
1: or attacked yeah. or, or or yelled at or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. And and often it is more about the other person than 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 you. But sometimes mm-hmm.
2: Yeah sometimes there, it is you. It
1: could be uh yeah it could be something that you need to correct. And that and that for me is a difficult thing, but but I know how necessary it really is to to figure out kind of going back to that growth mindset thing where you're like okay Mm -hmm. but i don't have to um i don't have to be disempowered by this i don't have to be that doesn't have to ruin my life
0: but instead it could empower you. right
1: right exactly It could be just a learning experience that could help me to grow in a way that i really should grow and um but it's, it, I, I, I've discovered for me, it's a, that's a challenge, but you know, it's,
0: oh, but I yeah, recognize it
1: the need for it,
0: you know? Yeah. Well, and there's, there's three ways to approach it. Um, I don't know the, like the psychology behind developing how to approach it, but I've realized you can brush it off, which is one way. Mm-hmm. And I find that tends to make arrogant people. It's just like, Oh, I could care mm-hmm. less. Like who, who the F are you? I don't care. Kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, those people, you know, Probably no one's gonna like them anyways, but what's kind of cool is it doesn't affect them. it just affects everybody else because they're like a you know a storm going through the workplace yeah then the second way is the middle ground, which I believe is the introspective where it's like it's valid or it's potentially valid. I think mm-hmm. it's the most important part so it's like you set that mindset it's potentially valid, gather information
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then the third way is. You know anything that someone says to you, it just completely destroys you. You take it for a hundred percent fact, and right. you know it—it it makes you kind of an emotional mess. Unfortunately, right. Um, and it's like I don't know the psychology between what sets up those three different realms, um, but you know, I find it's beneficial to strive for the middle one of introspect and inspection. But it's yeah. you know easier said than done. Yeah
1: right and i think that like in all of my kind of research over the last number of years i think it's Mm -hmm. a lot of it i think is trauma based yes like we especially childhood trauma Yep, childhood traumas and and so it's not really like a logical uh, you know response it's just Mm -hmm. your your physiologically your your body remembers something from the past and that that, that is removed uh, reminiscent of whatever. And it triggers it. Yeah. It triggers it. And so your body kind of just responds. And so it's not really, mm-hmm. a, but it, there's, there's ways to address that and to correct it and to mm-hmm. resolve it. Um, I mean, I, I believe in, in those, those things very much. I've worked on it myself a lot and I struggled to, to, to do it, but I, I do believe in the ability the possibility of being able yeah. to resolve mm-hmm. those traumas and not have to go through your entire life. Like, uh, you know,
0: constantly being triggered by every little thing right. that someone says to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the, the hard part, you know, I've known a number of people who struggle a lot with, you know, very severe, you know, PTSD or depression. Yeah. Um, and the moments that I've seen them, you know, have the most power for themselves is when they were able to, in the moment, be like, you know, tell me whatever you're going to tell me. I'm just going to write it down, right?
2: Mm.
0: And they, they, they removed from themselves the need to process it in the moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they communicated, you know, the boundaries clearly, like, you know, tell it to me. I'm going to go think about it, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And it's like
0: once they removed themselves from it, they were able to then, you know, pro- just write down that information and then they went and, you know, most likely cried about it, like, you know, sure. had to process this yeah. very difficult stuff. And But then they had it written down to where they could systematically go through it and hopefully, you know, take the time and reach out to people they trusted and be like, hey, you know, do I do such and such? Yeah. Okay. You know, and then you find trusted people who, you know, that's the hard part is like that's the network yeah. part where, yeah. you know, I I feel like I'm able to go through um, you know, these failures so quickly because Mm -hmm. I have surrounded myself with a lot of really honest and trusted people Mm -hmm. to where they're not going to skirt around issues because I'm their employer. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, they're not afraid of that element because I'm not like, not going to fire them because they tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, they're very truthful. And so, you know, sometimes it may be a little hard for them to be like, yeah, Weston, like, you know, since so-and-so brought it up, I agree. Sometimes you are very difficult with such-and-such. Or sometimes on set, you know, it's. I felt like, you know, you didn't care about what I, you know, was trying to do artistically. And so it's like, you know, then it opens up conversation um, and then we can solve those failures very quickly because Mm -hmm. I have that, you know, resource to go to. And I think it's the hardest part for a lot of people is, you know, it's like once you get that technique, that's a hard part. If you can get the technique to be able to separate yourself write it down and then go think about it and process it. The second hard part is who's that support group that you have yeah. that's going to help you. Cause I find most of the time we surround ourselves with people who tell us what we want to hear. Right. Which is not beneficial. Cause then it's like, Oh no, 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 you're the best. Like, no, yeah. no, no. He, he's just an idiot. Right? right. And it's like, well, that doesn't help. <laughs> right.
1: I mean, it might be true, but
0: it, uh, it, it could be true, but, it, but most it, of the time it's not. Yeah. But, In but terms not- of
1: yeah, I think that like, the, the, the balance, the hard part is that is finding the, the right people who are going to be because I think that the emotion of it and, and um, is an important part or a big part of it. And so mm-hmm. it's, and I've found for myself, I need somebody I'm, I'm okay with somebody telling me the truth. And, and if it's, if it's something I need to work on, and, and need to improve on, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I want to know so that I can yeah. get better but i also need gentleness in it you know yeah. <laughs> in the conveying of it yes. um, so which is fine you know perfectly fine but it's 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 definitely a difficult skill for people to to yeah. um, master and, and it to be
0: gentle it takes a lot of and i don't know how much like humility plays into it yeah. um i think sometimes in my mind i i mistake trauma and lack of humility
2: um because
0: mm-hmm. i think sometimes trauma brings up a lack of humility because like you can become so damaged as a pe- person
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's like every little thing is always attacking you as an individual right um but it's like you, you know that's that's what it is like it's difficult it's like how do you it's not necessarily right. just becoming more humble is going right. to help you right oh, i just sometimes to... becoming more more humble you're going to take more crap from people and then that's you know even worse right
1: right and... yeah you have to have i think i mean you have to ultimately at some point have be, develop a healthy um you know perspective or view of yourself mm-hmm. and reality and yeah. have a strong foundation for where your self-worth is coming from so that you don't have to internalize everything that yeah. everyone says or thinks about you, whether it's true or not, you mm-hmm. know, because truthfully, I think like, so I wrote this little book a couple of years ago and, mm-hmm. you know, called you are enough. And, and I've thought a lot about that concept. As I've heard some people talk about, like um, recently came across kind of a, a, a video speaking against that concept of you are enough oh, it's, it's kind of like because it's kind of it's 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 kind of around in the zeitgeist right the, this this idea you are enough everyone's kind of talking about that or have been for the last couple of years but i do see where they're coming from in that like we sometimes then we we become um complacent deaf to yeah or complacent mm-hmm. deaf to ways that we might really like legitimate. Um, uh, ways that we might need to correct ourselves or, or yeah. to improve because like especially if you're dealing with relationships with people like yeah it, it i think that there's incredible power and in just unconditional love but then there's there's also it's very easy for that to turn into toxicity you yeah. know and to, for that to just yeah. be like i'm just taking on whatever you do or say is mm-hmm. okay you know And that's
0: difficult because it's, it's in my mind, it's like, you are enough Mm -hmm. and you can improve. Right. But it's like, if you're not in the right mental state, all you hear is, and you can improve. (laughs) Right. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you, you are enough and I love you the way you are.
1: Yeah.
0: But also as much as I want to improve myself to make myself better for you, I would hope it's the same of you're improving yourself. Right. um, so you feel better about yourself so you know you you perform better in work so you know you're a better spouse or you know yeah. whatever it is yeah so yeah it's it's a well and it's I, a very difficult line
1: yeah definitely and I so like I was I'm careful now or not not careful but like I'm intentional with what I say like I yeah. think people are enough for like grace mercy mm. acceptance Smart. love yeah but that doesn't mean that they are a finished product or that there aren't ways in which they could or even need mm. to improve.
0: Yeah. Um, very well stated,
1: you know, because like there are there like, it is a fine line and you could just fall into like, Oh, I'm enough just to accept me as I am. I don't need to change. And the problem is always with you. And just there's, there's no improvements that ever need to be made. Mm. And, and I don't think that that's necessarily true, but I also think that then, yeah, you can quickly slip into, well, I'm never good enough. I can't ever, you know, I'm not good enough yeah. for that acceptance or for that kindness or for that, you know, love and help, whatever. But
0: yeah. And that's like, you know, admittedly that's the, probably the hardest part I struggle with in both like personal relationships and business relationships is,
2: hmm.
0: um, you know, I, I tend to be pretty demanding because I, you know, my, my whole life is about problem solving
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's about making failures improving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I expect it of myself and inherently I expect that of others. Um, but it, it definitely is hard for people to perceive that it's like, I, I absolutely love you the way you are, mm-hmm. or else I, I wouldn't have you as part of this company, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, as a, a relationship in my life. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I want you to feel happy about Stuff you accomplish, right? Um, and I haven't found the balance. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think um, that I've...
1: you've done a pretty good. I mean, you have with me at least, where it was like, I mean, there are a couple of things where it wasn't like huge mistakes or anything, but mm-hmm. things that I I needed to improve on. And you were, I thought, you were pretty gentle with it, and just you, yeah. you where you were, you were, you were you found that that tool at least of like compliment somebody and and give fill mm-hmm. them up, um, at least as much as you are going to ask for improvement or correction you know mm-hmm. so that then it's like it's not like oh they're only ever asking i <laughs> mean i'm doing something wrong you know but yeah and, and you've talked about your patience that you've developed and you've and you've seen the mistakes as actually beneficial and stuff so i think yeah, mm-hmm. you're doing all right you know
0: yeah but, but that's where like it's also helpful we found that it's helpful to have other people who are opposite personality to me mm-hmm. to where it's like um sometimes we found it helpful for certain individuals where it's like hey go talk to him about, Mm -hmm. like, the thing you're experiencing. Um, That way, it's like you can get some really awesome, positive reinforcement that isn't (laughs) asking you to improve. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, this is always the hardest part, is um, the things that make people strong in certain areas also are weaknesses, right? Yeah, they can become... So it's like, you know, Steve Jobs, um, I, I think Steve Jobs is a genius when it comes to strategy you know Hmm. he's just hyper focused on strategically how can we accomplish this but with that hyper focus he in his you know relationships also became a jerk because it was like if you're not hyper focused on the same path screw you kind of right yeah and so it's like you know it's that balance of asking him to change or soften up in that focus does that hurt the stuff he's been able to accomplish. And that's always kind of that, yeah, it's always that push and pull, you know, I I think there's always a little bit that you can give, but it's like, you know, I had one of our employees be like, you know, Weston, you're always trying to solve problems. Like, could we just stop? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, part of me as I was thinking about it, it's like, yeah, but that's, that's why our clients love us. And that's why we are where we are. And that's why we haven't, you know, fallen apart as a company because, we're constantly problem solving yeah um do i understand the sentiment that sometimes it can feel like too much and it's like okay how do i check and balance that
2: mm-hmm. but it's
0: like you know the hard part and i don't have an answer for it but the hard part is like if i stopped problem solving which would please you know the individual who is saying that i problem solve too much uh-huh it would also destroy all the things that they enjoyed about, you know, working here as a company and the progress that they've seen and stuff like that. And so it's it's always that balance.
1: Yeah, definitely. And trying to find kind of the sweet spot there, but,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and I think
1: that there are ways to, to find it. Uh, But it just, like, like you said, it's just a process that you, and some of that is just relationship development and you're kind of learning, you know, well maybe, with this specific person, I can take a little bit different approach or, or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know,
0: yeah. And what we implemented, I mean, this is kind of a little more on the business side, what we implemented was um, I hate the idea of like human resources, HR departments,
2: because
0: mm-hmm. most of them are just pathetic. Uh, most of them one, They hired just the, like some random person. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, here's some dude from, you know, IT department. who's going to be HR. <laughs> it's like, okay, you get the most unsociable person in the world <laughs> to be in charge of your HR. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also a lot of times it's like, here's someone that you can go complain to. And then it's like, nothing happens, but you vent, right? Right. Yeah. And it's like, in my mind, that's the wrong philosophy because then you're allowing, you know, basically just people to be complaining about stuff, but never, never finding the solution. Right. And so it's like we implemented it in, in our company where, you know, we encourage and most of the people on our team do a pretty good job of if they have a problem, they'll approach the person they have a problem with.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and that's just kind of through hiring people and hiring the right people. But when the occasion does arise that someone doesn't quite know how to resolve a problem or a conflict they're having with someone, we have what would be kind of like an HR department. We have an, we have a few individuals who you can go to to get suggestions on how to solve the problem. Mm. So it's like you still, it's still on you as the employee to solve it with your coworker, Uh but we have some resources for you to, yeah, we have some support to be like, Hey, here's the situation. Oh, I, you know, that's horrible that you're feeling that way. What about this and this and this and this and this, what do you think about trying this? Okay, well, let me go try. Right.
1: Right. Interesting.
0: And, And, and so it's like, you know, empowering people. And that's kind of what we found is you know, even for myself, like, as I struggle with these things that are, you know, both a benefit for running a successful film production company, but sometimes can be difficult on the relationship side. Yeah. It's like having those outside perspectives that I can go to, or employees can go to, to, to navigate ways to, you know, see it from other people's understanding.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's always kind of has been a a balance as well, where you're, just in relationships and, and and probably business relationships might be a little bit different There's just an, an added element there but where it's like for one thing i think people oftentimes people do just need to be heard and validated for yes. their, their frustration mm-hmm. and and then they can just let it go and and there's yeah. incredible value there but then that can that can also lead to um where where maybe they're not actually letting it go but but they're just
0: Mm -hmm. it's unprocessed
1: right it's unprocessed and and that they might be um even sometimes it it becomes commiseration rather than yeah you know um processing or or validating or whatever because it's like Mm -hmm. you know so that that is kind of a fine line as well like even in relationships i've found where um outside of a workplace it's like i i want to i just sometimes i just in fact a lot of times I just want to be heard and have my frustrations validated and then I can kind yeah. of have that support, um, but then, but then I've experienced quite often where it's like, they're like, yeah, that, this person is stupid or this is mm-hmm. you know that's awful and then they're so and then they get frustrated by it just as much as I was and then it just because you kind of like feed off of each other and then it just mm-hmm. actually makes the problem even worse, worse rather than. Yeah like actually processing it and, and kind of letting it go. So it's kind of a a balance, I think that we have to learn how to, how to do Yeah,
0: Yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to the same idea. It's like, give yourself time to process it. Yeah. Um, You know, whether that's through you processing it yourself, don't take it in the moment think about it, but also, you know, your dealings with, you know, that's what we encourage our team members, you know, in those dealings, take time to process it. And I mean, I guess in the attempt to sum it up in a theme, it's like, that's really, you know, the concept behind shop blocking, you know taking time to process it mm-hmm. um, and also the concept behind you know any of the elements that we do in training or things like that it's giving time to process yeah um, and that's kind of how I would sum it up taking it's just a step like
1: back yeah,
0: yeah take a step back allow time to process and that's yeah. the best way to develop a successful company like successful production yeah. successful relationships um, and I'd say even like successful mental um, aptitude Mm-hmm. is allow yourself time to process it yeah um kind of don't take, don't just do it in the moment
1: right yeah take take the time you need to to kind of distance yourself from the emotion of the moment and mm-hmm. and and be able to process it and then work through it and make a dif- make a decision that's 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 actually going to be the most healthy or productive mm-hmm. ev- yeah. eventually once you're able to, yeah. to process it all that's interesting
0: yeah and um, that's kind of And that's, that's what I learned talking to you. (laughs) I didn't quite attach those two together before, but I think it's wonderful. Yeah.
1: Well, that's awesome. So just maybe one or two questions here to wrap up. I I was curious about what has been your favorite. Well, I don't know if I want to like necessarily have make you talk about specific projects. If you don't you know if you want to rate them but but just one (laughs) one of your favorite experiences whether it be from a project or something like that that you've had since you've Hmm. been um doing film over these
0: years um i mean the things that bring me the most joy are seeing like team members really shine in Mm -hmm. their ability and so you know we have a uh a feature film that it's a sci-fi feature film that we had started production on in 2016
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it was kind of our first foray into feature films and then we kind of had to put up on pause because it cost so much and we mm-hmm. had to go find a way to make money and pay everybody yeah but working on the first part of that film it was awesome to see team members just like take on their element mm. Um, In ways that I hadn't seen them before and just kind of be like blown away with like, oh, wow, like you just went all out on that art design. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, without doubt, the best thing I've seen you do and and you didn't feel you didn't feel burdened by it. Where sometimes doing client projects, you feel like kind of burdened because you're you're trying to do something. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then you've got someone being like, oh, but the colors don't match what we're trying to, (laughs) you know, that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, And so that was that was probably, you know, still to date. You know that project plus like little elements i think in every commercial project there's always a point where one person kind of does something above and beyond and it's like wow like that is awesome yeah um and that's always just really inspiring i mean in the end um for me i think being a solo filmmaker is the worst thing <laughs> and, mm. you know because it's i can only do so much as a solo filmmaker. Yeah. And it's like being able to have, you know, other creative people complement my vision and bring it to life is just the most inspiring thing, not only because my vision becomes so much better than what it could have been if I had done it alone. Yeah. But also, it's just really cool to see people feel good about their talents and kind of come to realize that. Mm. Um so yeah, those are, you know, that's probably what is the most standout moments for me.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I mean that definitely one of the bigger lessons I learned on our production was that it it takes a man, it takes a team to make a good it product. Takes, and yeah, you know, you've got to have that, have a good support system there. Um, yeah.
0: And, and just passion. Yeah.
1: You know? And having that vision is what kind of, I think mm-hmm. ins- inspires that passion to
0: tie, to tie all the passions together. Cause yeah, yeah. passions can be erroneous and just mm-hmm. like all over the place. And it's like, Oh wow. You made in a, pile of nothing <laughs> <laughs> right yeah but if you have that vision to take all those passions yeah merge them
1: pull them together um okay one quick one last thing i was curious yeah. so if you were um to give advice to mm-hmm. an aspiring filmmaker out there who's just really interested passionate about whether they be young or old or whatever they they mm-hmm. haven't done much or maybe they've done a little but they don't really know maybe the steps to move forward or where to start or um, um, to go from wherever they are, what would be kind of your, your, your initial just response starting point for somebody who wants to do what you do?
0: Um, Yeah, that's a wonderful question. My immediate thought goes back to what we talked about, you know, the shop blocking and Mm. uh, you know, live action storyboarding, Um, find ways to make mistakes early and often probably Mm. the, an example that I learned that was really helpful to me is like, if you're on a street and you've got, you know, 10, um, stoplights, do you wait for all 10 stoplights to turn (laughs) green before you start moving? Or do you wait for just the one right in front of you to turn green? And that's kind of, for me, it's like, I get nervous about, you know, working on these, you know, projects worth tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And my way to counteract that nervousness is what's the simplest thing that I can do right now. Okay, cool. Like we have the script done Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe even the script is hard thing to do. So it's like, okay, the outline. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the simplest thing I can do right now? Or it's like, okay, filming is so daunting and getting actors is so daunting. It's like, okay, cool. I've got my best friend. Let me ask him to come stand in front of the camera and we'll do some shot blocking. Mm -hmm. And it's like all of a sudden, like the, the fear starts melting away. Mm -hmm. and by the time you get to the production it's like the fear is gone and it's like oh this all just makes sense and it was so much easier than I thought it would be you know to a degree yeah so it's like you know find those ways just to start just to start moving Mm -hmm. and the second thing would be you know along that side like be patient like it I made the mistake of comparing myself to like you know Hollywood directors Mm -hmm. and it's like those guys are like 50 and 60 years old, (laughs) right? Like they've been doing it for so long that it, you know, it's when I'm, you know, 20 years old and I was worrying about how I could film a movie like Ridley Scott, it's like, well, don't worry about it. Right. You don't have to right right now, like Ridley Scott's not going to call you up tomorrow and be like, "Hey, (laughs) I need you to take over my next film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And so it's like, you know kind of going back to that same thing of like you're perfectly fine the way you are but keep improving Mm -hmm. um yeah it's the same thing as like you're you're perfectly fine as a filmmaker but just keep improving Mm -hmm. you know but be patient with yourself and set reasonable expectations yeah um or else the fear will just take over and you'll be like oh i'm not like ridley scott yet so i quit i'm uh, yeah i quit or i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know shoot this commercial yeah it's like well the only way you know, the only way Ridley Scott became the way he did is because he shot, you know, thousands of commercials.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's a quote that I love by uh, Marie Forleo where she says, "the the key to success, I think, is the key to success is to start before you're ready, right? Mm. So you're yeah, you're, yeah. you're just kind of starting where you are, wherever you mm-hmm. are.
0: Because I mean, you'll you'll never be ready, right? Right. Um, totally. And that's the that's the benefit of life of yeah pushing. And yeah. finding good people to help you push. Yeah. That's kind of the biggest thing. Um, and that'd be my probably my third suggestion is um, always be on the lookout for who's that person who can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes time to find the right person. And in my opinion, you have to be picky
2: because mm-hmm.
0: if I just hired you know anybody, I would not have a very powerful team. Right. Um, but I always communicated what I was doing. You know, everybody knew Weston's, you know, the filmmaking guy. And then people start getting attracted to it. And you find some people are like, oh, dude, I want to make films. Can I be your editor? And it's like, "Uh, have you ever edited? (laughs) And they're like, no. And it's like, "Okay, well, do you want to try? No. And then it's like, "Okay, well, that's not really the right person. Right. right. But then other people, it's like you notice their talents and you're like, hey, dude, you're really good at, you know, these, you know, that's how we found our writer, Mm
2: -hmm. Jacob.
0: It was like, wow, dude, your poems are crazy. And these short stories are amazing. Have you ever thought of writing... You know, a a movie? No, never thought about that. You want to try? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And it's like, then you kind of test it and you figure out like, wow, Mm -hmm. this. And now, I mean, our stories are amazing and it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with our writing team coming up Mm -hmm. with these phenomenal ideas. So like, that's the third thing is like, always be on the lookout for additional talent. Yeah. But don't be desperate for additional talent. Mm. Um, Yeah. Because if you get desperate, you just get a bunch of losers. (laughs) who Won't (laughs) help you.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great, fine distinction, but that's, mm-hmm. I love that the team is going to be everything when it comes to finally putting things together. Mm-hmm. It's going to make all the difference in the world. That's yeah. awesome. Well, that hey. is, that is fantastic. What a great conversation. And I think, Hey, thanks, man. I so valuable it. to anyone who's interested in this or even just life or relationships. <laughs> we got touched on all <laughs> the things there. Um, yeah. So so, where can people find you or, or find anything about what you're doing? I know that you you were um, doing a um, a, a, a uh, what's it called like a, a course and stuff like that. And yeah,
2: you- so
0: so we have we have weekly bonus features, um, typically about our productions. We're kind of on a little pause mm-hmm. right now, but we'll be resuming shortly. And that can be found on YouTube. Um, if mm-hmm. you go to youtube.com/slash comv productions, that's C O M is in Mary V is in Victor mm-hmm. Productions um and that'll be you know all of our behind the scenes of kind of how we do stuff we talk about a lot of these principles and we share these principles um and then we have a a course at filmmakerskit.com okay um and that's where we're launching you know various kind of more some of its business oriented courses on filmmaking we realize there's not a lot of good courses that yeah speak sense into like hey here's actual numbers that you can use on actual productions yeah um and then also with that we have that are coming we have various things various courses that focus on you know in production type of stuff mm-hmm. we found that a lot of education tends to be like aftermath where it's like hey 10 years ago i did this and yeah. tell you about it versus like in the moment and so a lot of it's you know, on-set type footage and you see us making mistakes and learning from those mistakes in the moment on an actual mm-hmm. set. And then we have various interviews and stuff that pick apart what those lessons were. were. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, we, we feel like it's a much better way to become educated because oftentimes when we, when people talk about their mistakes as like far removed,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it still doesn't feel like that's applicable to me. Right. Right. And so we try to teach education in a way where it's like, no, 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 like, you know, this is a million dollar project that we made this mistake on.
1: Yeah, real that's time, like, real world. Yeah. yeah, and it's
0: like, don't feel bad about this mistake when you make it on your own set, but yeah. let's figure out how we can solve that mistake. Yeah, So that's awesome. So yeah, so that's filmmakerskit.com.
1: Okay, and I'll put all that in the show notes in the description Cool. And so that we can get people over there because I think you're a wealth of knowledge and anyone who is interested in filmmaking, it would benefit greatly from, from what you're doing, so.
0: Cool, well, thanks, yeah. man. Hey, it was a pleasure oh. talking
2: with
1: you. Oh, you too. Thanks for coming on, Weston.